The wind was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast where three nerdy friends talk about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is season one, episode six, I Sedai Lojack. I'm Michelle. I'm Steven. And I'm Justin. Stick around with us as we discuss chapters 19 through 22 of The Eye of the World. Hey, hey, guys. What's up, hello, Justin? Hello. Oh. I'm doing all right. How's everybody else? I'm doing well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, doing well. I should, say more, I should say more sure than that. I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some some days it, it is, a, I, I think, you know, don't really know for sure. But, uh, you know, do the best that we can on the days that we have. So exactly. Uh, but it's good. I'm, it's good. It's been a good week. I'm just excited to get to talk about some more Wheel of Time. <laughs> no, same here. This is like the highlight of the week. yeah i really do i look forward to this every week and yeah uh just really it gives me something to look forward to um you know on those difficult days those uh long drawn out days uh, i know i've always got this to come back to all right anyway we're gonna dive right into this tonight we are discussing chapters 19 through 22 of the eye of the world And I don't think we've said this in a couple of episodes, but uh, those of you that are uh, reading along with us and listening, uh, if you haven't read those chapters yet, now would be a good time to hit the pause button and go and make sure you've read those chapters and then come back and hit play and we'll be right here waiting for you. So we know that Trollocs and Murdra will not enter Shadar Logoth. But we soon learn that there is good reason for that. The safety of the place where the shadow waits is not really safe at all. Definitely not with a being like Mordeth hanging around. And when Trollocs and Fades do enter the abandoned city, the party has to make a run for it, getting separated as they dodge both Trollocs and the deadly Mashadar. One party becomes three and new secrets are revealed. So right out of the gate, guys, uh, here in Shatter Logoth, you know, we've talked in the past about the horror elements uh, that are worked into this story. You know, uh, very back back at the beginning, I think episode two, when we were in uh, the first few chapters, you know, I got the very uh, horror vibe from the Murdral that was hanging around Emmons Field. But now we're really getting into some of that with just this this abandoned city that, uh, you know, looks like it's been abandoned for forever. Uh, and this mysterious character uh, who we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more later on, but uh, it just has all that that creepy vibe hanging over. And I'm sure you guys picked up on it as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially with the height of the buildings. Yeah. Um, did I catch that incorrectly? But the buildings are incredibly high um, in comparison to Berlin, right? Well, well, it, you know, there, there's actually mentioned, I think it's it's Rand is thinking to himself and he he's looking around as they they get into the city. He's like, man, I thought Berlin was a city and there's buildings around here that, you know, several of the buildings from Berlin could have fit. Uh, inside these buildings in Shadar Logoth. And, you know, I was kind of curious, you know, reading the descriptions of some of these buildings, what in the world were these places? Yes, that's what I was thinking about as well. It also made me think back to some of their dreams. But, I mean, now, since our last episode, I've realized that the White Tower is from, like, Tar Valen. Right. But um, it did make me think of the White Tower just because some of these buildings are incredibly huge. Uh, you know yeah. what it reminded me of? Um, actually, like New York, you know, areas that have these huge like skyscrapers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of weird to think about. Yeah, I mean, yes, it kind of does give you that vibe. And, you know, if you've never been in a city like that, of course, I, you know, I've never been anywhere. I've never been in New York, but 
if you've never been in a city like that and you know you come to somewhere that has that i can imagine just the feeling that you would get especially if you go into a place like that and you're the only ones there oh yeah uh, oh yeah definitely yeah that would just be completely eerie um but you know we come we got this point where these these three young men from the two rivers from Emmonsfield uh, decide it would be a good idea to go wandering off into the city by I'm themselves, the city that they know nothing about, a city that they've been told Trollocs and Murdra will not enter for some reason. And, and, and they've only been there for less than five minutes. Like, I, <laughs> I swear, no, less than five minutes. I we don't get a timer in this chapter, but I know it was less than five minutes. They've been in this city Yeah. and land literally carried Moraine in. So everyone's like exhausted, no protection whatsoever, but Hey, what should we do here guys? Let's go explore <laughs> the city that we know nothing about. Hey guys, there's yeah. no, there's no white cloaks. And, and that's clearly the scariest <laughs> thing out there, guys. Let's, let's go yeah. and explore the city guys. It's so irritating. <laughs> I mean, it's you, just you would, it's so weird. You know, you would think, especially, especially these kids who I call them kids, uh, you know, they're a little bit older than that. But, you know, these these young men who a week ago. Trollocs were Gleeman's tales. They, they were just, you know, fanciful stories that that were made up that, you know, they didn't really believe in. And now all of a sudden those are real. And you know, do they not think possibly that, you know, if, if those are real, that there might be something else more the dangerous thing, in the world? The thing, Justin, that gets me is they just ran away. You know what I mean? Like they were yeah. just fighting Trollocs. Yeah. So there's no way that it lapsed their memory. And I no, don't understand not. the power that like Matt has over these boys. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, uh, what gets me is, they walk into, you know, their, their hiding area and Matt's kind of in the daze. You yeah. know what I mean? Like he's, yeah. he's kind of in a daze. He's thinking about the words that he spouted out of his mouth. And um, I think, what did they say? It's not a dead man speaking through him. It's um, there's a particular phrase for this. Um, it's like long lost. Yeah. It's, the memories, it's the memories in the blood. It's yeah. not there a dead go. man. In They're the very, memories very in the blood. exact and, Tom kind of has a little conniption fit when they try and talk about a dead man come back. Yeah, Tom, <laughs> Tom is very adamant that, oh, it's just because he's a descendant from, from you know, uh, Eamon and, and those others in the past. That That's why it's coming through. There's nothing nothing more to it than that. It's like genetic. But, yeah. Well, in uh, my opinion, though, I, I feel like, I know it's like corny, but I feel like it is the turning of the wheel. Like, this is, you know, Amen, like, reincarnated. But anyway, <laughs> I'm like, it, the kid was just dazed. Yeah. And then he yeah. comes out of his daze, and it's like, hey, guys, hey, let, let's sneak off into the into this really weird, empty city. <laughs> like, yeah. even though we just, we just escaped, let's sneak off in here. So, wait, your working theory is that Matt is reincarnated uh, King of Manethrin? I feel like it. I feel like he feels it too. He's something. Something's in there. Cool. Uh, I like that theory. Yeah. yeah. There's definitely something. There's definitely something going on. Uh, it's it's not it's not him getting possessed by someone. It's like him remembering his past. You know what I mean? Um, I feel like it's it's we're in the third age. Like he's kind of it's is becoming awakened. Basically, this is really bringing it out of him. Um, which tells me that Amen must be reckless. But that's. <laughs> that's besides the point <laughs> tells me a lot more about Eamon than it does about Matt. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a little bit irritating. <laughs> yeah. Matt was really uh, aggravating, especially towards Perrin. Um, Cause you think about it. I mean, if you, if you go back and you read that passage, Perrin is, is practically bullied into tagging along. And, and, yeah. you know, I, that, that kind of thing I get that it does happen between friends, but I mean, you know, Perrin, you know, he's just, you know, we and we get much more later in in these chapters that, you know, Perrin's the the thoughtful one. There's a extensive description, I think, in uh, I think it's chapter 20, maybe of Perrin sitting there, you know, 
still inside the city of Shatter Logoth, knowing all of these other things that are going on. And he's still sitting there for like five minutes trying to figure out, should I go through that gate or <laughs> should I try to find another way? He's, um, he's definitely got this whole vibe of like the kid who grew up always bigger and stronger than everyone else. Yeah. Who always had to worry about hurting someone. And so he's learned instead of being rash, like Matt, <laughs> he is overly methodical right right he overthinks everything he'll look at a problem eight ways before he decides to move one time which is nothing wrong with that admirable quality but it can also be a hindrance as well Uh, he's got he hasn't found a balance yet yeah and and again we kind of come back to i think to the point we made uh last episode that you know rand's kind of there in the middle between the two of them matt's the one he's uh wanting to go off and explore perrin's a little bit more reserved and rand's just kind of in the middle yeah he wants to go and explore but he also recognizes that you know maybe it wouldn't be the best idea of course he decides to go along anyway um i'm not even sure if it's that he decides to go along i i feel like it's more so it's like if we don't go along matt's gonna go anyway so let's go ahead and and kind of, I don't know, like protect our friend. So he's, he's looking after Matt. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like, a, it's not babysitting, but it is kind of like babysitting. It's, it's, it's like it's, Matt's going to go and do something anyway. <laughs> I don't know. With Matt at this point, it's babysitting. <laughs> I, you know, I wanted, I wanted to give him some maturity. It's kind of weird. Matt really confuses me sometimes because he has those moments like when he was in that daze or when we were, he was on the streets of Berlin when he's kind of thinking and is worried. And then he just goes and does something like this. But hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's that's my thoughts on this. Yeah, it definitely yeah. wasn't the smartest idea for them yeah. to go out into this abandoned city by but themselves. In their defense, Moraine could have been a little better at explaining what they were walking into. Not saying they should have gone and wandered like they did, but she could have been a little. I think that's one of this is where we see one of Moraine's first flaws really is she holds things so close to the chest and holds her secrets so dearly that yeah. sometimes she won't even think to share information that could have helped other people avoid problems. Steven, she is exhausted. She's literally was, getting carried in. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no. I was I was gonna come to her defense as well that exactly at least uh, you know i i I understand what you're saying steven and i'm sure that that's true um but especially on this occasion like like michelle said she practically has to be carried into this building uh because she's so exhausted i i I would kind of give her a pass on that this time um could they have they been out for about a week how long has it been since they've left emens so it it's was been... a week to get to Berylon. Right. Okay. And, and this I, is... I, don't, I don't think she slept even more than four hours total so far. Mm. You no, know what I mean? Like, I feel no, like they've they, been on the run they constantly. Got, they got to sleep on yeah. after they made it across uh, Terran Ferry. They were able to sleep and take their time to get to Berylon. They weren't rushing. Right. Was she, had was she able to sleep? Set up for them. Yeah. Okay, I, I couldn't catch her sleeping because it, it seems yeah. like she hasn't really slept. She I do, just, I do see what you're, te- what you're saying about um Stephen, though. I understand. She is just exhausted right now because she just got done using so much of the one power. It's not because she's haggard or tired. That no, she's way. not haggard. This is this is exhaustion that comes from using so much of the one power. She had to use that Angriol. It's just wiped her out she'll be okay. It's not like a physical tiredness. It's like a spiritual and mental exhaustion. I will say, I mean, she does have the Dumbledore qualities, the Dumbledore flaws and that, you know, Dumbledore had, uh, what is it like seven years to explain to Harry Potter exactly what's going down. <laughs> and he said nothing. Right. So I'm, right. I'm going to give Moraine. It's only been like a week or so. And she said a lot. So I'm going to, that's why I'm like, no, I'm going to give her some points here um she's given up and then the thing is do you really want to explain everything to these children because that's what they act like children look at matt he can't close his mouth for one second no matter (laughs) what and you know you know i wonder too if even if she had said something 
Do we think it would have stopped them? And I think and it would have even... stopped Perrin and maybe Rand. Uh, maybe. But then but, but then then Matt's going out there by himself, and that probably would have been an even worse situation. Uh, I don't I don't even know. Um yeah. and the other thing is, do we really know that we're safe, that there's no ears, that no one's listening in? You know what I mean? Sometimes you don't want to say something out loud because so far I feel like it's like they're being watched or something. Like someone, I know that they can be tracked and everything, but it just feels like someone knows right. um, wherever they're you know, going. I, I kind of get, I almost get that vibe too, is like nowhere we go is really safe. You know, every, it seems like everywhere they turn, everywhere they go, there's another danger lurking around the corner. And that's no different here in Shatter Logoth. So once they do get out into the city, uh, you know, everything seems to be going fine. You know, there's a couple of hours of daylight left. They're getting to explore these massive buildings, the likes of which they probably had only ever dreamed of and, and normal dreams, not, you know, weird Baalzaman dreams. But they're, they're there in the city. They're actually, I think, to the point they're thinking about turning back almost at this point. And this strange character who for some reason is in this abandoned city, hunting treasure apparently, <laughs> uh, comes upon them and in a very creepy way, just, you know, not, you know, introducing himself, just starts talking to them out of the blue. Uh, we find out this is a character by the name of Mordeth. Like, like and, we're not going to act like a, it, I instantly thought about the America's Most Wanted, like, you know, the Halloween kidnapping special. Right. Uh, where where <laughs> they played it every Halloween and it terrified our parents in the 90s, where it's like, do not let strange men talk to your children. Right. <laughs> and here but we I mean, are. <laughs> you know, well, well let, let's. Uh, I want to start. I just want to talk about Mordeth's name. Mordeth. <laughs> well, uh, that alone is that, that tells you that this guy is bad news i mean it just michelle last week you were talking about not you know not liking the word trollic oh absolutely this is even worse i mean this this has evil this name has evil written all over and maybe maybe it's my uh experience reading uh tolkien because in in tolkien's i'm pretty sure it's <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's in the elvish language uh more m m o r is always associated with the evil. I mean, you got Mordor in Middle Earth. You've got Morgoth in the Silmarillion. It's always associated with an evil place or entity, <laughs> something like that. So right off the bat, with this guy, you know, my 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 guard is up. Well, plus, oh, it was it was up. Plus, even not even taking in all the uh, Lord of the Rings references, which there are plenty coming there, up. There are plenty uh, in this chapter. <laughs> so, but even not taking that into to account. All right. So, Mordith. If you say yeah. it quick, it's Mordith. Slow it down. His name is literally More Death. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's what we need here. Let's get us some more death. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly what we need right now. Uh, and then... Yeah. And then there's that moment, and Michelle, you touched on this, uh, that, you know, I, I automatically thought stranger danger. Oh, yeah. Right? Because he's oh, talking yeah. to these boys, and, and even the way he says it is something like, I never thought I would find three strong young men to exactly. help me. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, red flag. Uh, exactly. Mom, and say, mom and dad told me about people like you. I'm not getting in the car with you, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, Perrin is the only one with sense here. He's like, hey, hey, like, why are you here? And everyone's right. just going on like, hey, we're going to we're going here. Let me tell you all our secrets. And Perrin's like, no, <laughs> like, Matt, like, why are you here right now? Matt, Matt, her treasure. And that's all he cared about. That's that was it for him. Can we talk about this treasure too? the fact that he's off? It's like it's like a it's like how. uh this predator would offer candy to children exactly. on Halloween. It's exactly. no, it's the same thing. It's like, hey, if you follow me, I'll give you some treasure. Now, let me tell you. You know what? When I do have a child, that's the first thing I'm going to teach them. Yeah. Like, don't ever <laughs> follow stranger, someone for some stranger for some stranger treasure. Danger, stranger. There danger. is no treasure. Right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, 
but yeah, that was like that was one of the first things I thought about this character. But I mean, I, he is obviously bad news, um, you know. And I think it really is. Is it Rand? I think that notices that he doesn't have a shadow. That was not even the first thing. Um, that's not even the initial thing. It's like when he was gesturing for them to follow him. They're over here like, hey, you know, there's there's no light over here. He's like, no, 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 come on, come on, come follow me. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? It's okay. That, that should have been that should have been that should have been the first red flag. But it was like, hey guys, no, 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 follow, ignore that. Just come and follow me. And everyone, and it's like they're it's like a little Red Riding Hood where they're no, where she's noticing all these different things, and you know, the wolf's kind of distract her. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the I guess the I guess the shadow was the main thing. And at that moment, I kind of took a deep breath. I was like, that- here we go. I think that was the moment that kind of sealed it for certain that this guy was bad news. So, and I wouldn't have noticed that, by the way. I, I probably would have gotten the sack out and helped him with the treasure. <laughs> like, uh, like, oh, you don't have a shadow. It's okay. Sometimes I don't have a shadow either, and I just would have started taking out the treasure. Uh, I'm it, fully aware that I am Matt in this situation. I'm just saying, <laughs> so, I'm also so, self-aware. So, so you're going for the treasure. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Oh yeah. I would have been, I would have noticed he, he could have like hit no shadow. He probably would have grown like five extra inches and I still would have been like, Oh, that's good. Cause you can reach that up there. So <laughs> let's yeah. go on again, but not shocked at all. I mean, the second he said there's no shadow, I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. But I mean, even before that, you know, wondering, you know, this, he's just this random guy appears in this abandoned city you know, it definitely, definitely should have sent up a red flag and maybe it did for Perrin and, and maybe Rand, but Matt for sure is, man, I'm all in. And the thing is nothing good ever comes when someone pops up from around the corner. You know what I mean? <laughs> I have, yeah. No, never in my life has something good come from when someone popped up around the corner and startled me. You know what I mean? No books, even in real life. So that should have already been the sign to run away right then and there. Should have been. Should have been. Yeah. And, you know, then when they when they get back, first of all, when they when they finally do escape and, and they do. Um, but then they're walking back through the city and it feels like they're being watched all the way back to to where they were hiding. And and, it, and then when they get back and when Moraine finds out, you know, that they met this character in Mordeth, the first thing she asked was, did he touch any of you? Oh my gosh! Isn't it? Do you think that Robert Jordan was like joking to himself when he was like saying when he was writing all of this? It's like they they went off with this predator. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even. No, I didn't think of anything like that. I, I did laugh. Um, I, they they went off with him to get his treasure, oh, and then when he man, comes back, no. they're like, "Did he? Did he touch you? Like, <laughs> just pull out a teddy bear." Oh. <laughs> this is terrible that was terrible that that, that, that was awful but um <laughs> I, I i definitely i didn't get that vibe but now if i go back That's and read it I again got. if i go back and read it again i probably won't be able to unsee that but we do get some interesting little bit of history and world building here with you know when moraine kind of tells them about uh Eridol and what's now called shatter logoth and you know, all of this history, it, it, it's some pretty interesting stuff. First of all, we learned that Mordeth has been around or, or Mordeth, um, however you want to say it. Uh, he's been around since, what was it, about the time of the Trolloc Wars? So who knows? Uh, Stephen, how long is that? The Trolloc Wars? Um, yeah. The Trolloc Wars from the point that they're at right now, I think that was roughly about 2,000 years ago. That's, oh that's, my I, that's what I was thinking, too. I think yeah. Trolloc Wars were about 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Um, and I and, think she says that Mordeth is like a, it's, it's like he's he's not a person. He takes the shape of whoever he like, um, he basically kind of, uh, he takes the shape of whoever he, I guess, succumbs to him. Well, yeah. now Mordeth is a, he was a person. He's now something. Uh, but he, if he ever convinces somebody to accompany him past the walls, then he would be able to basically destroy their soul and steal their body for his own. <sighs> yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. You get a treasure. Casual Friday. It's not. Yeah. It's not too bad. You said yeah. they destroyed the soul. That's not as long as he cleans up after himself. 
So, I mean, there's that. And that's not <laughs> like, and think about this too, in this, in this world, that's even a little worse than what you think, because this world, everything's based around the cycle with right. reincarnation and cyclical. But if you destroy the soul, there's no rebirth. Right. Like that's just it. It's the, it's like, it is an egregious thing. What he does. It's like um, the Dementors, the Dementors kiss where they said it's a fate worse than death. So, yep. I mean, apparently the soul is a big deal guys. I mean, in case you didn't know, um, <laughs> so I guess we have to hold it near and dear, but yeah, you kind of want to take care of that. You know, the thing with Moraine though, is when these situations does happen, like do happen, she will explain to them why what they did was wrong. Like she's not going to, she's not going to hold it to herself like Dumbledore did. So I have to give her that, you know, that much <laughs> at least. But I do, I want to talk briefly about this, this little glimpse of the history yeah. that Moraine gives us. First of all, again, we find out that Mordeth has been, he's been around since the Trolloc Wars and he, he came to Eridol. And I guess, would you say, Stephen, maybe say that he kind of wormed his way into uh, Baldwin's good graces? Yeah. So you definitely get, uh, for those that are familiar with the Lord of the Rings, a little guy named Wormtongue. Uh, <clears throat> this is very much an allusion to that. Like this whole scenario was, plays out very similarly. I was thinking even further than that. I was thinking full on Saruman kind of overtaking King Theoden. You know, not not just the the little guy whispering in his ear, but even like a kind of a, a supernatural thing going on. True. That, that's kind of yeah. that's kind of what I I got out of it. And, and and when you when you get a little bit further in, uh, you read the the story of Ka'ar one handed, and when he comes there to Eridol to try to, you know, rectify this situation, what do we see? Baldwin is sitting there on his throne a shell of his former self just like when the uh you know part of the fellowship finds their way into uh rohan and meets theoden for the first time he's sitting there on his throne and he's pretty much just a vessel there's not really anything there anymore yeah and unfortunately there's no wizard to come in and save the day in this case, nobody to come in and smack him in the head with the staff. No. Yep. So uh, things go go very bleakly. Yeah, it does, and it's, it's like everybody around this this story just ends up with the worst of tragedy because she talks a, a little bit about Kaar and Rhea, how you know he he went he escaped from the dungeons of Eridol and made his way to the borderlands, meets this uh, Rhea and they're married and eventually he's killed at her own hand. And then she takes her own life on, you know, on his, on his tomb. Uh, it's like tragedy goes everywhere. This, this Mordeth character goes. And let's not forget Kahar came out and he was, he was now one hand Kahar. Right. So right. I awesome. mean, <laughs> he lost everything. Yeah, he loses a hand, his his home, his kingdom, his life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It, it wasn't a good time for him. Yeah. So I'm I'm getting the I guess what I'm getting out of it is that Eridol fell during the Trolloc Wars. Is that right? Yes. Because it seems like because because the way it's described is that they were in the midst of the Trolloc Wars when Mordeth came to Eridol. Yeah. And before it was over, because you know, there's actually, it's mentioned when the Trollocs went in there, the, they meant there to, uh, I guess, use it as like a, a hideout or something. All of a sudden, they're all gone, uh, even yeah. to a point that all the blood and everything like that had disappeared. So I'm guessing it fell during that time and became this place. You know, they even renamed it, called it Shatter Logoth, the uh, uh, let's see how what was it um the place where the shadow waits there you go or or shadows waiting which hey was the title of the chapter <laughs> <laughs> that's yes so, that's it shadows waiting but yeah. you know what what interested me so this is why the trollocs are scared of this place it's just the fact that they came back 
to clean up, I guess, their dead buddies, and then they had disappeared, and I guess they got creeped out. Well, I think it starts so it's not, with... It's not even anything paranormal, it seems. It just seems like they're... I mean, okay, they, they did disappear, but I, that's I th- basically it. I, I think it starts with that that band of Trollocs and their, their Murdral being, being killed in the city, which I'm assuming seems like it was already abandoned. And they were already, they, they were wiped out. And yeah, then when they come to clean up the mess, there's no trace that they were ever there. Yeah. So, so and that's why. I say, Steven, you want to enlighten us? <laughs> well, so the uh, fall of Arid Hall happens before the fall of Manetherin. Um, right. So Manetherin is around at the same time. Uh, but it's it's a generation or two before the fall of Minethrin. So it's in the heart, the height of the Trolloc Wars. Yeah. Things are still going. It's while it is one of the Ten Nations, which the Ten Nations yeah. are this covenant uh, that was established after the breaking of the world when the nations of the world started to rebuild. The covenant of the Ten Nations was founded. Arid Hall was one of those nations. Okay. So it's not just a city although the city was the seat of its power basically what you're looking at here is an entire country that just caved in on itself and And then basically the name like kind of changed anyway i mean it's still there but no one else is there yeah right well by by this time by this time political borders have shifted uh there's different you know countries different powers but this remnant of that once great city is still there and still spoken of seemingly with fear and no one goes there and, and but the thing is there. the only people that really witnessed what happened though with you know with the trollocs getting wiped out and then disappearing were the trollocs right so it is kind of interesting to me that no one else goes there that no one tried to go there yeah it's not you know it's a pretty remote location to begin with like as you you know they talked about earlier uh pretty much everything to here in Camelon other than Whitebridge is going to be wilderness. Right. So people don't was, come this way. It's, it's not a heavily traveled area. So it would be pretty easy for a place like this. Once with the evil that exists, basically anybody that does find it probably never leaves. So there's nobody going out <sighs> telling stories about this place because nobody leaves this place. <laughs> yeah. Well, because because as we learn, there there's you know, Mordeth is just one thing that we have to worry about in this city, and you know, we got Trollocs on the outside, Mordeth on the inside. Trollocs come inside, and then we learn there's this other thing. I don't even know how to describe it. I'll just call it a thing. Mashadar. Yeah. It's this this fog. Uh, it seems like that, you know, just kind of. I guess seeming seemingly it's after dark because I think you know it, it was mentioned, you know, once daylight comes, it would have been okay. Yeah, it won't but it, the daylight weakens it. And so basically during the daylight when the sun is out, it withdraws into the shadows of the buildings yeah. and things like that. So you could roam the streets freely. Yeah. But at night, Mashadar reigns. It comes out. Like where did and, it where did it even come from? It just is it just there? Like who summoned this thing? So Mashadar is basically how to best describe it. Because that see. one that one took me out. Like what where did this fog come from? You know, for a minute I thought it was actually Moraine until everyone was just and even she was staring at it. And that point I was like, okay, so we're all so we're all lost here. Like what is yeah. this thing? So what it is in Moraine gives a little bit of a definition, but not a not a very good one. But it says basically suspicion and hate had given birth to something that fed on that which created it. Something oh. locked in the bedrock on which the city stood. Mashadar waits still hungering. Uh, so basically all of the hate, suspicion, uh, and animosity that was in these people when they basically it intertwined with evil that lay beneath the city and created this hungering dark force. It's kind of like um, it, to, to, to use a word, it's a taint on the city. Yeah. From all of the, pretty much all of the things that caused Eridol to fall. Yep. And that, that taint has, has lingered around and, 
anyone who comes in contact with it dies a pretty horrible death instantly but the Um, thing is too it's not on anyone's side it's just a thing it's just there you say it it doesn't discriminate uh you know human uh i guess horse would be dangerous too (laughs) Uh, it doesn't matter trollic trollic fade you know anything is seems to be subject to to this uh this thing and and there's uh in that chapter i think it's chapter 20 there is a uh, a very vivid if you will description <laughs> of what happens when mashadar touches a living thing um a satisfying was, description it was, though it was, it was satisfying it was disturbing <laughs> it was it was kind of disturbing i could you know for, for a moment i'm gonna be honest for a moment i i kind of felt for for the trollocs and the fade for what they were suffering in this for me i felt uh it's like i felt like i was standing there and watching it just in the same amount of shock like what's oh. happening like i actually it kind of drew me into the story like i felt like i was there standing and watching it yeah. it was really descriptive it was very descriptive um, and and kind of sends a shiver down your spine you know <laughs> no that <laughs> if nothing about. tells you not to touch this it's it's that scene right there yeah don't don't, um, don't mess with this stuff and just to be clear, it stays in the city, right? Like once you're outside the city walls, it's not going to follow you. I think we see that once they get outside the city, every yeah. you know, the only thing they have to worry about then is Trollocs. Yeah, it's just Trollocs. It's no big yeah. deal. You know what I'm learning though? There I are would, things out there worse than Trollocs. I would I would <laughs> rather I would rather face Trollocs than Mashadar. Trollocs are so ir no, okay, as as a let's let's put ourselves in the villain shoes. I feel like I've watched enough villains to know villain behavior. Um why do you sound a horn everywhere you go? Like it, the best way to, <laughs> so I got so irritated. I'm like, let me, let me just go ahead and take over. Let me become the mirror draw because you guys don't know what you're doing. Well, <laughs> like it's they, so irritating. They, they, you, you say they don't, but I think they do. They're sounding the horns because they're trying, they know that it's not going to do anything for land or moraine, but they know that they're hunting scared children and right. so they think by sounding these horns that they can scare them. Basically, they'll they'll act stupidly. They'll come at, They'll get skittish because they want them to run. They want them to flee and come to them. Oh, because um, okay, because they I, don't want to be. They are scared to death of the city. They're not like they even say in one point that uh, land says. If it weren't for the fact that they were headed straight for us, we would be fine to just wait them out because the Trollocs are not going in any of the buildings. They're not searching. They're based, the merger all made them come in here and they're just trying to get out to the other side as fast as they can. So basically they're trying to get everyone to run out of the city. Like, okay, guys, and, let's get out of here. But, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned land. He also expresses even, even the fades don't like coming into Shadow Logoth. So what's driving them? Yeah. That's a very good question. That's a that's a that's a cliffhanger to leave us on <laughs> on that point. It's yeah. like, I um, like how everyone is basically just uh, it's just everyone's wondering about everyone's management. Um, yeah. <laughs> like that's about oh. it. Oh, yeah. Well, we we gotta we gotta move on, guys, because we're uh, oh yeah, we, oh yeah. We, we've been talking about Shatter Logoth for a while, which that that's kind of the main thing we get in this chapter. I think is is the Definitely. action. I mean, it's it's two chapters of what we read this week and. Of the remaining chapters, one of them is very short, so there's not a whole lot there. But there is uh, quite a bit that we can talk about, um, you know, regarding once we get out of the city. Any any last thoughts on 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 what was going on in Shatter Logoth, Stephen? You got anything to share um, with us? I don't think so, unless um, no, I don't think so. Not yet. Yeah. I think my but, last thought was we were all expecting this. I mean, they have to get split up at some point. Yeah, we're not and, gonna and, we're not gonna travel this this how and, many people deep. It's it's not gonna happen. And, and that that's that kind of brings us into to what happens. You know, with everything going on, I you know if it had just been Trollocs, they they would have stuck together because it wasn't until Mashadar comes into the picture that you know they have to be separated because there's there's no crossing the road or the street at that point. So the Mashadar kind of forces them to separate. And then of course, from there, they get separated even further. And, and to your point, Michelle, and 
and you know, Stephen, you had mentioned uh, when we were discussing earlier another uh, Lord of the Rings reference. It's kind of like the breaking of the fellowship. Uh, yep. At the end the of, of the fellowship, at the end of fellowship of the ring, when, you know, you've had these nine individuals together for, you know, a period of time. And then you've got, you know, now basically you've got, you know, well, one of them is killed. Two of them are captured. And then there's two other groups going their their different ways uh, as far. Well, uh, you know what? This isn't a Lord of the Rings podcast, so I won't get into it. I, I was, but, you yeah. know, honestly, though, this has influenced so many things that we've read or is so intertwined with so many things that we've read that in all honesty, this is going to keep on happening. So yeah. I feel like just jump right into it. Well, I just I just don't want to spend the whole time talking about what happens in the Lord of the Rings because I'm sure, uh, yeah, you know, true. most of our listeners are at least somewhat it probably at least have seen the films. Um, if you haven't read the books, read the books. They're really good. Uh <laughs> you know that's going to keep on happening they're going to keep on getting book suggestions (laughs) but you know michelle you bring up the point it it almost seems like you know you have to have this moment at some point where everybody gets separated always yeah and and even though you're not supposed to split the party it happens and and they're separated of course the goal and, and and moraine had said this before they separated in the city the goal was to get across the river because apparently trollocs and murdral don't like water that was so random to me. It reminded me of like um, anytime because we've all dabbled in all kinds of fantasy. I know I have, especially with urban fantasy, which is with like werewolves and everything. Yeah. Everyone always has this weakness, water. Um, but that really did throw me off that Trollocs and Meridral are like, or I guess the Fade. Um, actually, I'm going to have to need a, I'm going to need a breakdown of that again, um, Stephen, because uh, I keep on mixing those up. But the fact that what? they're terrified of water really threw me off. Well, the Mer- Fade, can you tell me the difference between, I mean, I already know Trolloc. I thought I knew Merdral, but what is the Fade? The fade, fade is just, Fade's another-, just another name for Merdral. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. The, the Merdral have many names. Uh, fades, okay. the Eyeless, uh, Merdral, Shadow Man. <laughs> Merdral. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a bunch of different names for them, but they all mean the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's interesting here with the water because, you know, in like even our regular folklore and things like that, especially in like Celtic and I think in some Norse beliefs, it's running water is always the thing. Uh, oh, lots of spirits okay. have problems with running water. Uh, stagnant water, not so much, but a lot of times in, in uh, mythology and things, if you could get across a body of moving water, you would be safe from whatever foul thing was chasing you. Uh, and so Jordan just kind oh, of takes that goodness. here and applies it uh, in that place. At least in my opinion, I think that's what he's doing. And you see some of that, they kind of, if you remember in the, to bring another word of the Rings reference in, uh, in the fellowship when they're going to Rivendell and then all of a sudden uh, the waters are let loose and they kind of fight back the Nazgul to let them yeah. say if we get to Rivendell. It's yeah. kind of a, a throw at that. No, I mean, I've seen this in The Witcher. This other series I've, I've liked is uh, yeah. Mercy Thompson and everything. When, when you said running water, that's what really stuck out to me. Like, that is, a, yep. that is an ongoing theme in these yeah, different fantasy moving books. water uh, seems to have an effect on these things. Now, I don't know lore-wise, especially why the Murdral don't like it. I know the Trollocs don't like it because they can't swim. They will yeah. literally drown. Uh, the Murdral, I think, are just... I feel like they just find it icky. Like it. Yeah. I don't think... I think if a Murdral fell in the river, they would probably make it to the other side, but they would hate every second of it. It's the, And they're, it's not, the, they're not by their nature ever going to try and cross it on their own. It's that cloak that they're wearing. It would just weigh them down. <laughs> I think it's like they don't I think it's like they don't want to when you have a really you know it's the outfit you know it really just messes with the vibe of the entire outfit like it, it just you know you can't it's like it's like a wet cat you can't be terrified of something that looks like that so it kind of messes with the look I think um, <laughs> so I agree with that you don't want to get your cloak dirty yeah so all right so let's um you know kind of talk about where we find everybody yeah uh at the end of this these chapters i know there's a little bit more we want to talk about uh especially with nynaeve but uh let's just kind of go ahead and jump uh to where we are as far as our party at the end of these chapters so basically we're split into three different groups um 
we've got Rand, Matt, and Tom, and they have booked passage on a riverboat called the Spray, uh, captain captain by Bale Doman. Yes, who who talks like a pirate? <laughs> oh yeah, he does. And they're headed downriver to Whitebridge, and then we've got Moraine, Lan, and Nynaeve headed in the same direction, but going over over land. They're not they're not on a ship or a boat going downriver. They're going over land, and you know, th- take just a moment here to talk about you know why they decided to go that way, because. You know, apparently Moraine knows where these boys are at any yeah. given time, or at least she did. So let's talk about this. Moraine pretty much lowjacked these kids. <laughs> <laughs> she did. And she did it in such a kind way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I, I, that really, oh, man, that really I, got me when she I, said that. I was like, when she was like, oh, they're, they're good as long as they have the coins. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's an, it's an ice. <laughs> It's an Aes Sedai Lojack. <laughs> nice and casual. Uh, but I mean, so, we, we do get finally, you know, those coins haven't even been mentioned since what, chapter two, maybe. Yeah. And all of a sudden we realized that they were important. They weren't just, you know, they weren't just coins that she was giving them to do some work. That's how she was keeping up with them. Yeah. And now that, Rand and Matt are no longer in possession of theirs. They, she knows at least that they were, they were headed down river, but beyond that, and she doesn't know, she doesn't know which one, which one belongs to which she just knows yeah. that two of them are headed down river. One of them made it across the river. That one, of course, yeah. we know is Perrin. Yeah. Uh, who kind of did a, you know, swan dive off of his horse into the river, but made it across and apparently Egwin had or Egwene had made it across the river as well. Oh, so with reference to Egwene making it across the river, can I get a shout out to uh the best horse ever, Bella, for yes! literally swimming the river? <laughs> and, oh man, I was so worried about Bella. She didn't even <laughs> want to come on this trip. So I was so happy that she did it. She swam across. Bella is awesome. She didn't even need to be told what to do. She just knew like, hey, yeah. You know what? <laughs> I'm supposed to go across the river. That's what she did. Yeah. Bella saves Egwene. That's what happens. <laughs> no, Egwene, Egwene uh, did not make it across the river. Bella Be- made it Be- across the river. Bella made it across <laughs> the river. Egwene was just tagging along for the ride. No, she, yes, she did. Yeah. <laughs> so. But but she does. She does make it across the river. She's safe. And I, I like the moment when uh, Perrin kind of meets up with her and, you know, what is what is his his thought to himself? You were worrying about her, and she's done better than you did, because she's yes. actually she's actually made it, you know, pretty good situation for herself. <laughs> yeah, so. she's she's got a, a nice little fire going, right? Yeah, she's got a I fire mean, going. She's nice and dry, you know. She's just she's she's across the river. She's got and, it. And, and they make the decision. They're they're not going to go to Whitebridge, and, and and of course, this is part of this. I'm sure is just Perrin being Perrin and thinking through this he thinks of course white bridge is the obvious place to go right that the trollocs <sighs> may follow them there but well if we, we kind of remember what the map looked like so if <laughs> oh if, if, man if we're here and 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 white bridge is here then then camelin is over here so we could probably cut across country and make it to camelin all right yeah even though moraine just got done telling them earlier in in the couple chapters that that was a very bad idea <laughs> because oh it's all wilderness and it lands is. like how long has it been since you saw a farm or even a village and they're right. like nobody says anything and he's like yeah exactly. that's all that is between here and game <laughs> yeah but you know what i see parents point though i see his point yeah now he's got a good point it's just it's also I, got some i, I promise you guys someone is someone is letting these these dark things know where they're going. So maybe he is being the safest here. My money's on Tom. So and I'm, Tom I know he's not spy? here. I know he's not here, but I'm waiting for Perrin Fane to come out again. Oh, sorry, Pat and Fane. Perrin Fane. So, <laughs> I know so, Perrin Fane. Perrin so, Fane. <laughs> so Tom, Tom's a spy and we don't trust Pat and Fane. Oh, I do not trust Pat and uh, Fane. I'm well, sorry. You know, no. <laughs> we, 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 we what we kind were told- of peddler? 
we were told last episode don't pretty much don't trust anybody so oh trust no one especially yeah. especially pat and fane all right so we've got uh perrin and Egwene setting off across country we've got matt rand and tom taking journey on this ship uh, after quite the little eventful boarding yeah. party <laughs> yeah that was, that was uh, exciting <laughs> yeah uh and then we have our other three land naive and moraine that's the group i want to be a part of <laughs> <laughs> that's the good group and so naive meets fine stumbles back honestly back upon moraine and land once they all get out of the city yeah uh and then we get some interesting little uh, revelations here. Oh, man. I love it. There was some there was some good stuff here. You want to you guys want to talk about land first? Sure. Because because there's not really I mean, it's not really a whole lot. It's just, you know, Moraine mentions this idea that, you know, he had been pledged to fight the dark one before he left his cradle, a sword placed in his infant hands. Sound familiar to anybody? Michelle, sound familiar? In all honesty, no. Oh no, you were. I know. To, I know. I to make a list. Oh no, no. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh no, was it? Uh, uh, is it men's? Uh, men's? Uh, prophecy. That was that was one of the things that men had seen around land was oh, an infant man. holding a sword. The second I said, the second I said, uh, no, it just hit me. Yeah, <laughs> Michelle. You know, you have been know. Weighed, guys, you have been measured, and you have been <laughs> guys, found wanting. Oh, guys, no. please. <laughs> but I mean, we don't really get anything more than that right here. I, I just, you know, I felt like we needed to point out that just a few chapters later, we got one of those visions, I guess, being revealed to us. Yeah. Of what it what it was about. Um, yeah. So and, it's interesting because it also shows that not all of men's viewings are necessarily prophecies about the future. Sometimes true. they're just details about the current about, person or about, about the person. person's past. Uh, yeah. Which so is good to know to in all about. honesty. It's because it, it tells me a lot, basically. Um, but we'll, it, it actually eases some of uh, some of my thoughts. Uh, yeah. Just just knowing this part. It also is really neat to me because in a lot of books, characters like Lan would just be another side character, another person that's along and we'd have our main cast and uh, you know, they would get flushed out and the side characters like Lan or naive and those kind of folks wouldn't get a whole lot, but Jordan really takes his time to flesh out all of these people and give them such rich histories and stories. Uh, even sometimes the most insignificant people. And to me, that's one of the real hallmarks of Robert Jordan's writing is uh you know he takes the time amidst everything that's happening to continue to flesh out these other characters yeah yeah and, and it does it makes him more than just like the muscle yeah you know? no your description is so accurate too because i did consider him not important in the beginning you know what i mean in the beginning of the book and now he's like one of the most critical characters yeah, yeah. definitely definitely gonna have more to say about lan in the future, I think. But what about Nynaeve? Uh, she's slowly, she really wants to become my favorite character. She's really <laughs> trying. She's really trying. Um, uh, but are we shocked though? She's, there's something special about her. They're, they're always, the second she said that she could track Lan and Moraine, and I understand that her dad has taught her, you know, all her life. I knew that she was something special. She's part uh, of the pattern now. <laughs> but but I say at this point, you know, and and you know, we learn from Moraine. I'm guessing this is the other two rivers girl that she was talking about earlier when she said to Egwene that there was another in the two rivers that could channel. Um, I'm assuming we, we we know now that she was talking about Nynaeve. Which is great. And but 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 you bring up the point, Michelle. Are we really surprised by that? No, not at all. I mean, I, she's part of the group now. You have to have something you know, to bring. Especially that she's been kind of brought back, you know, just from a, a storytelling standpoint, that she's been brought back into the story, that you knew there had to be something different. You know what got her. me? You know what that what really, like, kind of shocked me was when Moraine said, uh, was basically telling her, like, oh, you must have healed these two before because you have a connection to someone that you healed. Yes, absolutely. Well, Oh, that, that really you know, got she, me. That's so crazy. She reveals, she reveals basically that, you know, Nynaeve has already touched the true source. 
she has already, even, even though unknowingly she has already channeled, it's not the same thing as uh, Egwene there in the little, um, you know, the little cavern, not really a cavern, but the, the hidey place. The little blue with the, stone with the little blue gem. Nynaeve <laughs> that's, has, that's nothing. Nynaeve has already, you know, touched the true source and put it to use. I mean, she's even yeah. healed, you know, you know, Egwene with the situation where everybody thought she was going to die. And then she's she manages to get her back. It's interesting, too. You see the the difference. And Moraine will even go into talking about a little bit about power scale here for the yeah. first time. But uh, Nynaeve, while she's not conscious of it, has been using the power for quite a while now, unconsciously healing when people came to her with maladies that she shouldn't have been able to take care of. And yet somehow she did. Uh, or in some cases, listening to the winds, yeah. doing what wisdoms yeah. are supposed to do. Normally, that w- should have worked. So that does also bring into question why her predictions were off this year. But uh, just the fact that she's been doing not just lighting up a little rock, but she's been doing like actually working with the power and in some pretty spectacular ways without Absolutely. even realizing it. Yeah, that, that's the crazy thing is she doesn't even know that she's done it. Yeah, And also, they've also pointed out, like, earlier on that, wow, she's really young for being a wisdom. The previous wisdom must have, not- must have like, noticed this in her, too, at a young age. Yes. So, I think, um, I'm not sure if it's talked about here yet, but I think it is, that, uh, so, basically, that, that fever that Egwene had um shouldn't have been it wasn't going to be anything fatal like it wasn't going to kill her but the uh the wisdom didn't tell Nynaeve that Nynaeve was young thought that the fever because it looks so horrible because it always does that break bone fever it looks like you're going to break all the bones in your body (laughs) break bone fever yeah and so Nynaeve in her young state was so worried and didn't want Egwene to die that she reached out and used the power to heal her. Egwene would have been fine, but the, the wisdom caught on to what had happened because she came in later and saw that Egwene was fully healed, not something that would have happened based off her herbs or medicines. Yeah. And being a wisdom and a wisdom that knows what these things look, what to look for, knew immediately what had happened. And that's why she took Nynaeve in. And it's so interesting, too, because Nynaeve still finds this disgusting. Yeah, she's trying to resist it so hard. Basically, she, she, she is so terrified by the idea. Yeah, because, she, well, it's not even terrified of the idea of the power. It's because she now associates the power with Moraine yeah. and Moraine <laughs> taking these children away from their village. So her her whole perspective on the power and Aes Sedai is very tainted yeah. uh, <laughs> by her own narrative and perspective. They're going to be besties soon enough. <laughs> Does anyone know if Nanave's hair is still braided? Oh, definitely. Oh, still yes, braided. absolutely. <laughs> you actually yeah. got a tight braid on there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, when that, but, guys, when that hair becomes, like, when it's not braided any longer, that means that Nanave has finally accepted herself. Accepted. She's turned the corner. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, you know, we, 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 have to, we do have to get a uh, touch on this is, you know, Moraine pretty much tells her that she's lucky to be alive. Yep. To have touched the power in the way that she has and survived is, you know, a very rare, maybe not very rare. I think the, what is the numbers that uh, Moraine gives? Like three in four don't survive. That's a lot. Yeah, I think that's it's still, I mean, it's still, I mean, it's, it's not that's, that's crazy. common, you know, it's not like it's a, a one in 10 thing, but, you know, most of the women who can touch the source um don't live if they do it unaided they they will not survive but Nynaeve why do you think only, that is Nynaeve not only has done that but she has you know apparently used the power more than once and has survived why do you think that is like why can't what's the issue with touching the source that makes people i guess uh because I, I missed that i think what causes it to be so fatal? Is it like drinking from a fire hose kind of thing? It can be. Um, if you don't know how to control it, the power will overwhelm you. 
Okay. Um, and so there's there's two big things with uh, Sidar, which is the female half of the power. The key okay. to controlling of it is to surrender to it. The more you fight it or try to grab hold of it, the more it will rebel against you and fight against you. Um, so for a, when a woman tries to reach out, if they don't know how to do it properly, the power could literally just overcome them and it'll burn them out or in not knowing how to control the power, they'll do something with it that would cause them to die in some horrible way uh, because they're, they're channeling the flows in an unsafe way. Um, there's a lot of different things. A lot of it stems from just the fact that if you don't know what you're doing, it's basically like you have a thing. All right. So outside your house, you have power lines running into the house. Yeah. If you don't know what you're doing, you're like a person who sees the power line that's falling down on the ground and you just go oh. up and, and grab hold of it. Okay. As opposed to the electricity being safely channeled into your home, into the outlet, and then you plug in to use it. That's the idea, basically. Steven, that was a fantastic analogy. <laughs> that, that, like let's all let's all that's yeah. a really that was really good let's take a moment to just to just <laughs> appreciate that uh don't don't touch the one power wire <laughs> yeah uh just real quick one one last thing is you know it's mentioned and maybe it's already been mentioned about Egwene, but the idea that both Nynaeve and Egwene are have the potential to be more powerful than any Aes Sedai that's been seen in centuries. So how powerful oh, do they have the potential to be? You know, let's think about this. Like Nynaeve, when Tam came to the village and he was like on his deathbed, she looked at him and said, there's nothing I can do here. And then Moraine came and basically kind of healed Tam. The fact that she hasn't even tapped into her power yet. You know what I mean? Hmm. Um, like so that means that that told me a lot because first off moraine is clearly super powerful but the fact that nine couldn't even do that back then um this I don't, I don't know it makes me look forward to the rest of the series i love these kind of moments where someone realizes their power yeah it kind of makes you um, wonder what she might be able to accomplish but, now that she knows yeah and it's also it's moraine trying to get a hook into nine too because if you yeah. look at what she says she says you have great potential I think with training, you might become even more powerful than Egwene. And I believe that she can become one of the most powerful Aes Sedai we have seen in centuries. So she's got that hook in there where, well, yeah, you're great and you've got potential, but unless you let us train you, you'll never meet that potential. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited for it. It reminds me of when Goku became like Super Saiyan for the first time. No, I mean, guys, it's, it's all it's all wrapped in here. Uh, but that but was, I, mean, you know, I got some goosebumps. I'm really these, excited about this. The, these kind of stories are universal and they can be told through a number of of genre, you know, so uh, those the references are fine. <laughs> uh, I think listen, it's the it's three nerdy friends talking about this book. <laughs> like what uh, what else screams nerd than anime and Lord hey, of the hey, Rings? I, I, if <laughs> I don't think I've mentioned Star Wars yet, so oh man, <laughs> oh, we'll get there. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get there. I, I'm sure, but um, uh, I think that's going to have to bring us to a, to a close, guys. We're we're um, right here at the end. So, um, Michelle, any final thoughts? Oh man. Oh, this is wild. Um, <laughs> not really. I am looking forward to what's going to happen with the nave. I'm waiting also, this is the main final thought. I'm waiting for Pat and Fane to come back and finally reveal himself for what he really is. So, so you, so you don't trust Pat and Fane and, and you oh, told absolutely us, not. you told us earlier that you think Tom is a spy. Because who are you? Why are so, you with us? You're just the Glee man. Like, so, go away. So we're we're going to call that your prediction for this episode. And also, and also, <laughs> he tried to get Rand to give away his sword. The audacity. Mm. Something's so not right with him. Something is not right with Tom. And, and the thing is, everyone has a place here except for Tom. Very interesting. And yeah. also, Pat and Fane is supposed to be dead. Well, so, I mean, we those are two dead. people I do not trust. I mean, that's we didn't that's, we didn't actually see Pat and Fane die. Guys, what kind of peddler leaves his like leaves his leaves his wagon? 
well, it was, of. His it wagon was, was a bird husk on the side. Hey, listen, <laughs> it's unheard of. It's like a it's like a captain leaving his ship. It's uh, not it's unheard of. But anyway, I'm waiting for Tom to reveal himself because that's not normal. So so Michelle doesn't trust anybody. No, <laughs> um, not a bad not no, a bad way to be. That you know no, what? It's, it's, it's probably smart, Stephen. I'm going to give you the final word. Okay. I don't know that there's much else to say here, except that this really sets the stage for the next couple of chapters uh, to really take advantage of the party being split. And it's really going to give us a chance to really dive more into these individuals. Um, We've spent spent a lot of the time so far in Rand's head. We're finally going to get a chance to uh, poke around in some other noggins. I mean, I appreciate that. that. I'm excited for that, that we like when it first went into parents head, I'm like, finally, you know, sometimes you want to hear other other characters' perspectives. I don't want Matt's head though. I'm I'm kind of over that, but mm. everyone else. <laughs> you haven't even else. been in Matt's head yet. I don't need to be in Matt's head. <laughs> I already know about that. Oh, I am right. Matt's head, so we have to move on from that. All right, guys. Well, well guys, guys we're halfway through. That's gonna do it for us. Uh, so yeah, we're we're cruising right along and getting a getting a good bit of this this book covered. So excited for what's to come uh but that's going to do it for us for this episode so uh guys it's been good chatting with you tonight same to y'all look forward to it again can't wait we love it we'll we'll do it again next week and uh keep on reading so with that we'll say goodbye Bye, Bye, guys see you later Hello, Stephen here. We wanted to thank you again for joining us for this episode. New episodes are released every Tuesday. If you like what you hear, first, subscribe so that you won't miss our next episode. Then we would also love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you heard this podcast. It really helps us get the word out there to more potential listeners. You can also email us at thewindwasabeginning at gmail.com. Or interact with us on social media on Twitter at WindBeginning or on Instagram at The Wind Was a Beginning. We're also on YouTube and Facebook at The Wind Was Beginning, a Wheel of Time podcast. We hope you'll come and join us next Tuesday as we discuss chapters 23 through 27 of The Eye of the World. See you then.